Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Podcasting from the top of the rocks. This is News on the Rocks with Patty Steele. Well, uh, amongst all the cheap thrills I've enjoyed in show business, this one is mine, not hers. It's the uh, talented and lovely Patty Steele joining me from New York as we continue on Live from My Office. How are you? I am dandy, and I have decided that I'm going to put you simultaneously on my podcast. Wow. So we're, it, so it, we're, doing, we're, we're doing that right now. I'm on News on the Rocks, and you're on Live from My Office. Exactly. And the main reason I wanted to also make it News on the Rocks is because that allows me to drink while we do that. Right, 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 yes. And after uh, the morning show there on CBS FM, many days, I'm sure you've had to. Oh, you betcha. Maybe even during it. <laughs> um, by the way, the last time you saw me, I had not gone with a shaved head, but I know that you're fighting the desire to hop on a plane and come to Chicago and just rub it for luck. So let me do that for you. No, not just for luck. <laughs> <laughs> And this, by the way, this new part of the look I is. I saw that. I am. Uh, I have some facility with the internet, so I actually saw oh, pictures. Yeah, I call this the distraction. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, look! He's got a goatee. Uh, funny story though about uh, shaving your head. You know, um, as you know, because we've been friends for so long. Um, I have an exceptional sized melon. Um, you know, I'm in the large melon hall of fame, and. Uh, um, when you shave your head, you just don't know, right? You don't know. I mean, what's up there? What's under what little hair you have left? So it comes out and it's reasonably proportioned. And I sort of have what I consider to be anyway, the, uh, the badass uh, mobster guy look now. Uh, and uh, so this all sort of was working for me. So a good friend of mine um, sees a picture right after I shaved my head and we were talking and she goes, by the way, I saw that you shaved your, shaved your head. And I said, yeah, what do you think? She goes, well, now you know. <laughs> oh, my God. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> well, now you know. Now, you know, to me meant not her favorite look. Right. Well, you do know that I had breast cancer like six years ago. Right. Um, and one of the many wonderful benefits of that was losing my hair. <laughs> and so it was really funny because as a, that was beginning to happen I got like really freaked out and I started to cry and my daughter walks in and she goes actually I think this could be really cool mom you have a beautiful face now let's see what your head looks like <laughs> and it was like yeah you know what let's just own this and 
when I went in, my hairdresser was very sweet. She opened up her shop on a Sunday so that it was just us there and um, took the rest of this. I, I always say it turned into like a hair yarmulke because it was curly. So it would all mix together and right. it on my head and it was like prickly. So she took that all off and she went, wow, you really have a good head. <laughs> so I turned around and I Thank went, you. And I kind of liked it. You know why? My favorite thing is I could take a bath and I could just sink under the water, pop out and just dry my head. <laughs> well, welcome to the world of the 59 year old man. Huh? That's what I'm saying. You know, I look at combs and I go, what are these things you're calling combs? I, I, that's not part of my world anymore. Yeah, well, my, it's back, you know, for better or for worse, mine is back. Although I have to say a cousin of mine looked at a photo um, that we had in a frame for some reason of me. And he went, oh, my gosh, you are having a great hair day there. And it was a wig. <laughs> I just went, thanks. Well, a lot. <laughs> whatever it takes. I think you look fantastic. But then again, you know, I've had the big crush for years. This is kind of what it is. So. Um, all right. I got to ask you a couple of professional things here and uh, uh, related to living in New York, because the premise of this is I'm in Chicago. You're in New York. Our friend Ed Mann, who you'll remember from Premier Radio Days, and, and uh, he started his own podcast company. I, don't know, I was talking to Ed about L.A. And my premise is this. There's a perspective on America's three largest cities that they're all liberal bastions of people who want to be given everything for free. And uh, there's nothing but a bunch of left-wing nutjobs there. And they're ruining America. You know, nothing could be further from the truth in Chicago and New York and L.A., but it helps to get POV from where you are. So let me start with COVID. What is the New York situation from a COVID standpoint as you see it now on, you know, the biggest morning show in New York? Well, um, you know, certainly one of the most difficult things and heartbreaking things for me is so much of the city. If you take a drive through, which I do from time to time, it is... Um, much deader than they would have you think, because obviously the idea is to make it seem like it's still it's still got a heartbeat, which it does. But it's it's a it's crazy. I mean, they just cut down again the hours on MTA, the subway and buses, to twenty five percent of normal because that's twenty five percent of the people are the only ones that are riding, and um, you've got, of course, one of the the. What, one, arguably two of the worst hit um, sections of the city, of course, are restaurants and hotels. They just said right. to one third of all hotel rooms, that's 42,000 hotel rooms are gone in New York City. Um, all these wonderful little restaurants, which are always my favorite. One of my favorite things about working in the city is to be able to pop out and walk to all these cool little, I, I work in Soho, but I can walk down to Tribeca. I can walk up to the West Village, all these sure. little, you know, wonderful little restaurants and bakeries and all these things. And, you know, so many of them are gone. And will they return? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they return after that long being shut. Um, well, that's the backbreaker, right? Because it's uh, Chicago, as you know, is a great restaurant city and, and the same sort of hit that's gone on there go, goes on here and the mom and pop boutique places. Yeah. They're the ones that go because they don't have corporate backing right. and um, they are the foundation of the neighborhoods they're in. hundred percent. So then what happens to the neighborhoods? That's the concern too. Right. Right. You look at, um, you know, everybody knows Broadway shut down, but 
think of all the little businesses that make their living off of both the tourism and the locals who come to the to theater. It's not just the restaurants. It's the little shops. It's all these little spaces, little places that people hit before or after the theater. Those are gone, you know. Um, and, and, and Broadway, if correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking maybe June before Broadway's back up, depending on the vaccines. Then I know that um, they were talking about, I think the first show to come back is going to be Hamilton. At least that's what they were saying. And they were talking about bringing that back around the 4th of July. Um, but that was several months ago. And now, you know, everything is so crazy with the, the shortage of the vaccine. I mean, New York State, they were talking about this this morning. New York State gets right now 250,000 doses a week for the entire state. But you got to remember, everybody gets two doses. So that's really only 125,000 right. people in a this massive state, now they're going to up it to 290,000 a week, which, you know, it's going to take probably, they're saying, until autumn before there is a sense that everybody is, that is vaccinated, that, that is eligible for it. Um, it was funny, in New Jersey, they only get like 100 and, I think, with the new bump, they're going to get like 116,000 doses a week. And the governor said, well, we're hoping to have 4.8 million people vaccinated in the next six months. And I'm like, you better do your math there, buddy. It's more like a year and a half at the rate that we're getting. Right. I, they had a, a thing yesterday. Um, they hired 250 people to answer a phone lines in New Jersey because they discovered that an awful lot of people that can get the vaccine are elderly and don't use the internet. And so they set up a phone line with 250 people to answer those phone lines. Well, the thing crashed almost immediately upon opening and everybody calling in tens of thousands of people got a message that said, please book your vaccine on the internet. <laughs> it's like the whole idea of the phone line was so that you didn't have to use well, that's, yeah, well, that's like calling calling IT because your computer's down and they're saying, well, please go on the internet and uh, yeah. send us a message, right? It just, it just doesn't work. So this is the problem I have with our governor here, who I think has largely done a decent job of handling this, but certainly Cuomo has been the good guy and the bad guy through this as well. And everybody, as you reinvent the wheel and something we'd never seen before, um, maybe gets a little bit of a break in how they handled things, but there's no time to go. We got your back, pal. We know you're trying hard. You can't make mistakes. You got to, I mean, you, you got to plow through this as fast as you can. And the idea that anybody would have been dependent on the accident that was Donald Trump right. and not have some sort of infrastructure set up ready to go is crazy to me. And I'm still not seeing that. I don't know. You tell me about New York, but in, uh, in Illinois, the ability to get the vaccines that come in distributed immediately, they're still struggling with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They set up in New York, they um, set up these mega sites at both City Field and they were getting ready to open one at Yankee Stadium. They shut them both down because they don't have any vaccine. So it's like they had all of this set up, these ideas, and it took them a full month to get those ideas up and roll. I mean, Yankee Stadium never even opened. It took them a long time to get that up and running. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going, who, gosh, we don't have the vaccine to inject. So you can stand in line all you want, but you're not going to get it. Right. And 
and it's weird because you do ask yourself, everything shut down in March of last year. So we're going on a year. And we knew that the vaccines were being developed. And that's certainly what took so much time. Wasn't anybody thinking, okay, we have X number of months. Let's put a plan in place for how this is going to get. What happened to that? I mean, I get uh, the guy I work with saying to him, well, I don't understand why they can't make more. And I said, well, it's, you know, this is a living thing, this bacteria that they making the vaccine. So it takes a long time. You know, one batch will take uh, up to six weeks and they only, and maybe only you'll get a couple thousand doses out of it and everybody needs to. So it takes a lot of time, but you would think that other than just trying to get that together, that just the distribution part of it would have been figured out. I mean, even if you had a plan that's sitting on somebody's desk that never gets uh, put into play. You had to have a plan, you know, you had to have a plan and the, the, the markings are there and history will tell us whether or not it's a fair judgment or not, but we know what we know. And what we know right now is shots are not going in people's arms nearly fast enough. However, here's the upside in my opinion, um, there could not be a better person in the white house. And I mean, person in character and desire than Joe Biden. He wants to get this done. He uh, is trying to set up the infrastructure to get this done. He doesn't need the credit for everything that happens throughout the day. So I think with the power the United States has, we have a shot to get this right as fast as possible. But a lot of people are going to die between now and then. And it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. And it's, and, and it's, it's, um, it's disturbing. But, you know, it's funny. Um, and this is not a political statement because I, wasn't a huge Biden fan. Wasn't a huge Trump fan. What? Really? But the point is what we needed happened on the inauguration. There was this calm sort of presence, this calm sense of, okay, we don't have necessarily all the answers, but we're going to damn sure try to figure them out and, and move forward and, um, and make it priority. Number one, the difference now is priority. Number one is not the president of the United States. Priority. Number one is what the president of the United States can do with the power of the presidency to do good. Right. That's the way the job's supposed to work. And just kind of calm us down a little bit. We've been through a a long period of setting our hair on fire. And, and now we kind of are in this place where, you know, may not make all the right decisions. It may take longer than we'd like. More people may die, but at least there is this calm sort of sense and we're moving forward. And, and I think that's a good thing. Um, No matter your politics, I think it's a good thing. I think Americans come together in times of trouble, maybe better than anywhere else in the world. Uh, what do I have to measure it by? I live here. Uh, but uh, after 9-11, New Yorkers, there was nobody stronger than New Yorkers. Um, how has New York, I know a lot of people have left town, as you said, uh, and businesses have closed. But have New Yorkers come together through this? Or is this rip that's going on throughout the country affecting New York as well? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because there is the I'm staying put. Nothing's going to get me out of my, my city kind of mentality. And then there are the hundreds of thousands who fled for everything from their house in the Hampton to Florida to just someplace that got them out of 
um, the cauldron that is New York City. So there is a little bit of this um, division among the people that grabbed their kids and left because they had the means to do it. And the people who stayed put, even if they did have the means to leave, but stayed put because they were going to fight through it. So that's the one thing I see a little division there. I see um, certainly a lot of people really wanting to do everything they can to support the restaurants and the hotels and the bars and things like that. But even there, there's some division, you know, you see restaurants where they invite people in and they say, you don't have to wear masks here. Come on in. We're going to party. We're going to pretend nothing ever happened. And so there's a big battle between those people and the people who are trying to be more careful. And, um, but I mean, that's New York. That's any big city. You have that kind of thing. Sure. But I think at the end of the day, I, you know, there, there are, I've been in to eat um, at some restaurants that I love that are open all outdoors. Obviously there's no indoor dining in New York, even in the snow. Um, and there is. Um, well, I don't want to picture you with a chair at a table sitting on the street. Uh, are they heated tents? Is that what they're doing? Well, they had like one place that I went had like individual little kind of, cubicle type things with plastic in between each cubicle and like basically a picnic bench inside. Now this was in September when it was a cool night, but not a cold night by any means. Um, Then I went more recently to in the West village. I went to this great little restaurant where they had some of those igloos, but I actually only sat under a, a kind of an overhang and they had like uh, the really intense um, he- garden heaters, you know, and yeah, it, yeah. it was fine. Um, and then, and I had uh, one other time I haven't sat, uh, I mean, they had, a, they were open for a short amount of time, but I haven't eaten indoors even when there was an opportunity to, but that's, that's kind of what it is. The igloo things, those plastic igloo things are, are a hot commodity here, but, yeah, well, I should have invested. Um, you know, all this, of course, ties back into politics, uh, whether we like it or not. Right. And um, it's interesting because I've been meaning to call you off the air about this several times because uh, you and I have crossed paths with Donald Trump through the years on multiple occasions and um, and Rudy Giuliani as well. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you know, in 2016, oh. when all this happened, I was screaming at people. I go, you have no idea what's coming here. You don't understand the guy on TV, the apprentice guy. That's who he is. That's who he was in the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands. That's who he is now. He doesn't know, doesn't know about policy. Doesn't care about policy. He's a great talk show guest because he's kooky and nuts. He's not the president of the United States. And it played out that way uh, in really destructive ways, but it's almost more surprising. The fall of Rudy Giuliani is just so bizarre. I mean, you think of him post 9-11, right. to every, every firefighter funeral, him saying, you know, when I, I'll never forget that moment when someone asked him uh, at a news conference how many people had died in the World Trade Center. And he said, I'm not going to put a number on it. I will just tell you it's more than we can bear. Right. And I thought, wow, what an incredible sensibility and you know obviously there were a lot of people calling for him to run for president and and then it was like wow everything kind of just 
collapsed around him, even to the point where Trump is trying to figure out a way not to pay him for his legal help. You know, and unlike you, I would say that I think there are things that Donald Trump did um, pre-pandemic that I think were good for the country um, in, in, on many levels. Um, and I think it was reflected in everything from, you know, jobless numbers to, I mean, he had in, two, in this last election, he had m- almost double the support of minorities that he had the last time and more than any president in like 60 years. More, any, I'm sorry, any um, Republican president. Right. Right, right, right. Years. And I think that there were things he did. The problem is, is you have to get to a point where you say this is, everything here is bigger than me. And I don't think he has the ability to say anything is bigger than him. And so that um, was his Achilles heel, I think, in all of this. And well, that, that and also a complicit mess of a Congress. You know, I'll say it for the nine millionth time. The far right and the far left are the problem. They're not the solution. No, and the rest of us, yeah, the rest of us live closer to the middle. Maybe we lean a little right. Maybe we lean a little left. But we're closer to the middle and people want to get stuff done. And that's what this has to be now. There's this kind of weird thing that goes on now on the far left and the far right. Maybe it did before, but they didn't have as loud a voice that basically says, if you are willing to compromise, you're really messed up. You have a problem. You are not holding true to your ideology if you're willing to compromise at all. And the problem with that is no matter what anybody else wants to say, there was upper 40% of Americans that still voted for him this time. And if you yeah. think you're going to get anything done without some sensibility, Joe Biden is, was the, the picture of, of understanding compromise throughout his career. He made deals and he actually almost lost the primaries because of it, because all of these far left mm-hmm. The AOCs of the world were were saying, you know, he was compromising with people that did X, Y, and Z. And they as though that was a bad thing, that trying to get things done by understanding, okay, we give a little here, we take a little here. And, and you know, unless we um, find a way to, to separate this country into two separate countries, that's the only way we're going to survive is if we... Oh, that, but that- you hit on it with Biden. That's the encouraging thing about Biden. He said it a million times. I want to be the president for you, whether you voted for me or not, because that's what the president of the United States is. You're not the president of the Democrats. You're not the president of the Republicans. You're the president of the United States. Exactly. And, and, um, and I think we have a chance, I'm hoping, with him for that to, um, to play out in a, in a healthy way. I just think we're in such a terrible place um, it's it's going to take a while. I mean, they were saying today, uh, you know, regarding like the problem with hotels in New York, they think it'll be at least 2025 before um, the hotels in New York kind of regain their health and their ability to uh, move forward in a productive way. And that's really scary. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, say I mean, that? think about the tourist economy that New York is dependent on, Chicago and L.A. as well, obviously. Um, there's a lot more pain to come in that regard. So how does the government help what's fair? You know, um, there's a lot to figure out, but it doesn't get figured out by all of us just going, oh, no, 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 I'm right, you're wrong. 
Right. Unless you agree with me, then you're right. Right. I mean, I, that's got to stop. As long as what you say agrees with what I say. Well, you're, look, you're a great mom. I think I'm a pretty decent dad through the years, and now I'm a grandfather. Did I send you a picture of the grandkids, by the way? I think you may have one coming. Maybe. How could you be a grandpa? Yeah, it's crazy. At my young age. Um, but the thing is, uh, it's the same thing we'd say to our kids. You know, you sit down and you go, okay, I understand you feel that way. But how do you think this is going to end? Because you can want that all day long and you can insist on that all day long. But let's talk about how it gets there. I don't understand the wall that people run into. It's like, okay, I want it my way. It's going to be my way. And that's it. Life doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. One of my kids, um, for a brief period of time, went to um, one of these sort of um, outdoors kind of uh, places to like zhuzh up your your sensibilities. I don't know what you call them. Uh-huh. Just, just a and this place was called Anasazi, and it, it's um, run by Native Americans in Arizona, who are absolutely wonderful and. One of the things I remember at the kind of parents thing where they were talking about speaking with our kids, you know, when they come out of this wilderness experience. And one of the guys there, I won't name names, said, um, you know, sometimes you just want to be the dad. You want to be able to say you're going to do it because that's what I want you to do. And you're not allowed to question me about it. And I remember this guy, this wonderful old guy that runs this place. He looked at him and just said, how's that working for you? (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing. You can tell somebody, this is the way you're going to do it. And because you're in control of everything, their their livelihood and everything else, they're going to go, okay, yeah, sure. And the minute you're out of sight, they're going to do it exactly the other way because they're going to show you I'm a man. I'm a 16-year-old man. I know what. Right. But when you say to them, let's talk about this. Let's play this out. What's the end game here? Let's kind of see where you're going. And you can understand through a little more experience where I'm coming from. And we can talk this out. You begin to help them to say, huh, now I understand what you're saying. It doesn't mean they're going to be perfect all the time. but." understand why you're saying what you're saying as opposed to just saying you do it because I told you to do it. And well, that's a, that's the compromise thing. Compromise isn't a dirty word. Compromise is an absolute necessity. That's politics and that's how it should be. But, you know, we'll see if we can get back to that. There's a lot of loudness coming from both ends of the spectrum. And that's, uh, you know, what is scary about it because with, all of the access to microphones that everybody has. You can, if, if you can be as loud as possible, you can, and as, as clever as possible, you can shut people down. You know, you can be incredibly mean and have everybody go, <laughs> wow, they're really tough. When in fact, what you're doing makes no sense. And, and so that's what I'm hoping will um, rule the day. Yeah, it's not professional wrestling kids, it's life. It's not a TV show, it's life. And it's never been more important for all of us to grow up and treat it that way. Um, we're going to run out of time quickly here, but before we do, uh, let's go with the cheap show business plugs before I bring up something really important to both of us. For my audience, you can hear Patty Steele every morning on CBS FM, online, everywhere. Is it iHeart probably the best way to go? Uh, probably not since it's intercom communications. Like- oh, pardon me. 
you know, you lose track once you've been thrown out of radio. Uh, it's a, uh, it's intercom. That's my point. So everywhere radio stations are shared outside of those creeps that I aren't right. It's it's WCBSFM.com or radio.com. Um, that's where you can hear you go. radio show and you can hear my podcast, which this will be on at, um, either through radio.com, wcbsfm.com, or at pattysteel.com. Okay, excellent. And live from my office for your audience is on Apple and Spotify yeah. and cochranshow.com, uh, C-O-C-H-R-A-N show.com, and everywhere. So I hope people will check that out as well. And I just want to say it's just uh, beyond great to talk to you. I've missed you. I missed you too, my sweetheart. Can I ask you one or two questions real quick? Yeah, and then I do want to bring something around to both of us that we can wrap up. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This together. Um, first of all, I was going to ask you, what's the stuff that you're going to miss when you have to go back to work in a separate building? Um, if I go back to work, because my situation's unique, right? Because I don't know that I could be thrown out of too many more places. Um <laughs> I thought I would never be able to work at home and this live from my office concept was kind of a goof because I never had the discipline because I'm a guy that would be having something to do and I'd go, oh, look, it's a Green Acres rerun I want to catch, you know, because there was something shiny. So the discipline of going somewhere to work mattered. Um, I miss people. I miss interacting with people. And I didn't even know I liked people that much. Now, the question is still out, do they like me? Um, but I'm actually looking forward to returning to the world of people. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of my, it's funny because I made a list of the stuff that I miss about work. It was the creative atmosphere, but it was not just my friends, but also just people on the street. 100%. The, the doorman in my building in Soho, you know, um, Getting out of the house, that kind of is a thing that I, I miss for some reason. And, of course, the museums and theaters and that kind of stuff. But there are things that I am going to miss when I go back to work. Um, I made a joke with you about how, um, oh, I had to wash my hair before this because I had to wash it every three months. Not true. But maybe once a week, I'm going to miss <laughs> not having to worry about what the back of my head looks like because nobody sees it. I'm going to miss not having to wear a bra every day. Me too. Same. <laughs> I'm going to miss the fact that the only shoes I've worn for the last year were slippers, Ugg boots, which I have on now because my feet were cold, um, flip-flops and Birkenstocks. So nothing mm -hmm. that supported my poor little feet um, or that gave me any height. So I have remained at five feet tall for the last year. <laughs> and um, I guess driving into the city at 4.30 in the morning and missing the extra sleep I'll miss. But well, there's no question about that, but you're, what you're talking about, I get it. Even even uh, as a dude who has worn sweatpants for 364 of the last 365 days, um, I now uh, actually enjoy putting on grown man pants. You know, I'll throw on some jeans, or I'll throw or I'll throw on a pair of you know uh, uh, you know khakis or whatever, and I go, well, look at me, all dressed up like an adult. You know, what's funny is I get dressed every morning because the first couple of weeks that I did this working from home, I would go down in my big fuzzy pink bathrobe to the basement, my luxurious studio in the basement. And I just found that I wasn't like snapping to, I wasn't like on top of my game. Great so point. I get up every morning 
you know, a full hour and a half before I go on the air and I do the whole, I get dressed. The only thing I don't do is wear a bra or put on shoes, but Again, I same. <laughs> fix my hair. I put on makeup and then I go downstairs and I make coffee and I write until I have to go on. And, um, and I, well, find it gets you in a groove, right? It gets your, it ramps you up. It's, you know, 525 when I first go on and I'm awake, I'm ready to go. And I right. like, yeah. Um, and what was the other, you said you had two questions. What was the other one you were going to ask me? Um, I don't know. I think that was kind of, was that was a- the main one. All right. So here's the thing I wanted to bring up to you because you and I have a passion about mental health. Yeah. Um, we have people that we love who have struggled. Um, we have been very open on public forums about our own struggles, whatever they be. I've been, I've had clinical depression my whole life. Um, and it, this is such a tough time for people. So I just want people to hear it. The same thing you say all the time and I say all the time, but to hear it again, there's always somebody out there for you. There's resources everywhere. Um, and when you find yourself in a room where it's getting dark, uh, get out of the room. You know, I, I, I tell my son is struggling with some, some funk feel, funky feelings now. And, you know, some of it's COVID related and things. But the point is just do one thing. It's the greatest tip I ever got. Don't allow your mind to lock in on whatever sad thing you're locked into for more than a few minutes and accomplish one thing. Whatever the one thing is, it doesn't matter what it is. Just do one thing and that puts one foot in front of the other, breaks the cycle and moves you forward. It's a minor tip. It may not work for you, but I'm recommending it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, when I went through, I, I was going through breast cancer at the same time that I discovered um, my son's very severe opiate addiction, literally as I was beginning chemotherapy. And, um, and that is enough to kind of knock you off your. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And one of the things that really helped me to organize my mind um, was I on my phone and they're there to this day, I have a space where I have a list of affirmations and those affirmations, you know, you allow yourself to recognize what the pain is, but the more you dwell on it, the more you sink in. And what I found was, okay, I allow myself to think about this and, and all the scary possibilities, but now I need to clear my head so that I can be of use to myself, my children, my work, my life. And this list of affirmations, I would sometimes lie in bed in the middle of the night and I would go over them. And almost it's sort of like that moment when somebody says, okay, for the next 15 seconds, don't think about elephants. And all you can think about is elephants. But if you start thinking about every other animal, turkeys, chickens, bears, dogs, cats, sure. you drive sure. that out of your mind and, and it's not like you're forgetting what you're dealing with, but you're giving yourself a moment to just breathe and to recognize that there are other things in the world. And there are certainly, as you said, people out there who, who love you and want to help you. I mean, I found that. I, and I mean by people that love me, total strangers who took my hand and guided me through um, in both cases, both what my son was going through and what I was going through at the same time. So I think that's um, a little bit of help. I don't know. Well, and it's a, Yeah, look, you have to find what works for you. But I think those are two really good, simple things. And I'll ask you to send me that list of affirmations, if you don't mind, and I'll post it to my website oh. um, because people could certainly use that uh, as well. Um, I, 
I, I, one of my very favorite things on that list is just a little kind of quote from um, Albert Camus. And, and basically um, what he said was, and I'm going to find it here because I've got a ton of stuff on this. Um, In the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And, and I realized that you take these moments where things seem just so down and so irreversible. Right. Realize that you have it within you. We all do. We have it within us to grab that place within that we can find some peace and we don't allow that summer to be taken away from us. It's a great line. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great thought. It's a great way of encompassing it. And the other thing I think it's important for people to hear from you and I is something else I know we both believe in, and that is your sadness, your depression, your darkness, whatever it is in your life, um, doesn't mean there's something uh, so wrong with you. You're irretrievable, uh, and it doesn't mean it's fixable. Uh, by someone coming up to you and saying, snap out of it. You've got so much good going on in your life. Um, We need to recognize in this country that mental illness um, in any form, and I certainly have admitted my own mental illness, it's as serious as cancer and heart disease and everything else. So let's start treating it fairly like that and respecting it as opposed to treating people who are willing to admit it like there's something desperately wrong with them that they have chosen not to fix. We wouldn't shun people with heart disease or right. why shun people who need our love and support and answers. We don't give enough to the fight against mental illness and addiction in this country at anything near the rate that we give to other illnesses. And yet, arguably, it is the the worst scourge in the country when it comes sure. to. And, um, and everybody's dealing with it. Everybody. But I can, you know, look, I, I, it's, it's as tough as these times are, I as, I'm as optimistic as I've been in a long time because I believe, and I don't know who originally brought this quote up, but I believe in it. It sounds a little hokey, but there's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed by what's right with America. And I just think that's true. I love that. I love that. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel good. All right, come here. Give me a hug. Uh, reaching out all the way from Chicago to New York <laughs> and back. Um, all the best with News on the Rocks, and thank you for being on live from my office. I love it. I love it. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 